This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's going on? Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here with us. My name is Tommy Casabona, and it's an absolute honor to be sitting in for Doug Parker, who is taking his first week off in 14 years. So well-deserved. Enjoy it, my friend. All right, let's get into it. Coming up, we have a review of Carnival Magic out of New York City to Bermuda, but First, let's check in with staff writer Richard Sims. How's it going up in New York, buddy? Hey, not bad. We got some snow here, and uh, it is gloomy as heck, but that makes me just want to talk about cruising all the more. Absolutely. All right, so we have an earnings report coming from Norwegian. Yeah, and this probably won't come as a big surprise, but Norwegian missed its earnings projections for the fourth and final quarter of 2022. Equally unsurprising to anyone who knows anything about the head of the company, Frank Del Rio, is that he basically said, oh, yeah, 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 nothing to see over there. Um, Hey, look over here where the picture is much, much brighter. In essence, he's predicting that by later this year, they'll hit occupancy rates over 100%. Right now, they're hovering around 90%. He's saying that they hope to, by like maybe in the second quarter, hit around 103%. People always ask, how can you have over 100%? But 100% is when you're sailing a full ship with double occupancy. If you have more than two people in a room then and all of your rooms are filled, then you start going above that 100% mark. They're seeing really strong future bookings at higher prices because, and we discussed this a lot on the show, but NCL has, from the start of the restart, sort of refused to cut prices in order to fill ships. They do a little bit of subtle trash talking about the other lines that do that and how it takes a long time to recover from that because people get used to that lower price. So they are, you know, they are going full steam ahead and selling as much as they can, but at the higher price. They'd rather sell at that higher price. They're also seeing about 33% of their total revenue coming from onboard spending. That's been, you know, increased year after year after year. Every earnings call, we hear all of the cruise lines talking about the importance of onboard spending, which when we say onboard spending, we're talking about the money you spend once you've already gotten on board, like in the casino or specialty restaurants, stuff like that. So when that is an area where they're doing very, very well, now they're just hoping that they can get sort of the rest of their revenue up where it needs to be. So it looks like we have someone having a heck of a good time with someone else's money. You know, the more I read and talk about this story, the more questions I have. The basics are this. So this woman, Lexus Moore, out of Raleigh, North Carolina, or Raleigh, depending on how you pronounce it, she booked two cabins on Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas and had herself a right awesome cruise. When she got back, she was arrested because, as it turned out, she'd used a stolen credit card to pay for the whole thing. Wait, wait, wait. Did I say a stolen credit card? Because actually she used eight stolen credit cards. Eight. I, I don't understand it. So now she's facing all types of charges, not of the credit card variety. And here's what I want to know, Tommy. How did nobody notice she was using eight different credit cards? Were they all like under the same name? And she racked up $22,000 in bills. Now, 
even if you assume, let's say that she, the two staterooms she booked, they probably weren't suites. They were probably like balconies. So even if you figure she booked two balconies and heck, throw in a drink package, maybe a specialty restaurant, that's still $22,000 is a lot of money. So how did she spend it all? I really want to see, you know, that little printed out um, receipt they give you at the end of the trip. I totally want to see hers. I want to know where that money went. And the biggest question of all, how did she think she was going to get away with this? <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, well, at least she went out in style. You cannot right? make this up, right? <laughs> uh, all right. So two popular ports of call seem to be doing better than ever. That's for sure. Um, move over Port Miami. I'm very sorry to report that you're no longer the biggest game in town. Uh, it looks like Port Canaveral stole the title of the busiest cruise port in the world when the uh, 22, 2022 numbers came out. Canaveral welcomed 4,072,365 multi-day passengers. And what they mean by multi-day passenger is they don't count like casino boats that just go out for the day and come back. They mean, you know, like cruise ships that are coming, whether they are leaving from there or um, just making a day stop there. They are they are ships that are on multiple day trips. Uh, so they, they welcomed, so like I said, Canaveral welcomed 4,072,365 and Port Miami, which had won most years in the past, welcomed 4,022,544. And nobody should rely on my math skills ever, but I used all my fingers and all my toes. And as far as I can tell, this means that Canaveral was ahead by about 50,000 passengers. So kudos to them. The other port story um, is Nassau. So Nassau broke its one-day record by rolling out the red carpet for 28,554 passengers on February 27th. There were six ships in the Nassau port that day. It was Royal Caribbean's Wonder and Harmony of the Seas, Carnival's Mardi Gras, uh, Celebrity Reflection and Beyond, and the MSC Meraviglia. And this is great news for Nassau, obviously, as, you know, we all pay those port taxes whenever we go to a port. So that's a lot of money being poured into the local economy. But whenever we do these types of stories, I always kind of want to know, especially with Nassau, of those, you know, 28,544 passengers, and that doesn't include crew, by the way, those ships all have crew who many of them also got off. But I want to know how many actually got off the ship, you know, for a lot of people Nassau over the last couple of years has become kind of one of those ports that you're like, yeah, I've been here a million times. There's nothing really all that exciting unless I'm going to go to Atlantis. I'm just going to stay on the ship. So I would really be interested in knowing the difference between how many were on those ships and how many went off for the day. True, true. Now, getting back to the uh, Miami versus Port Canaveral situation, do you think that I guess is the start of some sort of a rivalry. Will Miami hustle to get the title back? I know, right? Like, I mean, Canaveral seems to have so many, uh, not only so many ships sailing in and out of there, but it's it's also just such a really popular port. You know, it's got it's when you go into Port Canaveral, you've got the Space Center there. You can take a ride over to Disneyland. You can take a ride over to Universal. There's there's a reason that, you know, Orlando and that area is one of the number one travel spots, certainly in the country and probably in the world. So it makes sense 
that they would have the most ships. What I want to see is over the next few years, will like Galveston join this rivalry? Because, you know, slowly but surely, like Galveston is becoming a little bit of a contender. That's for sure. And Carnival is bringing back some features that had been away for the past couple of years. Yeah, and people are going to be really excited about this. Um, during the pandemic, Carnival stopped offering their behind the fun tours. And uh, people have been asking ever since when they would be coming back. Well, we could now report that starting March 6th, the behind the fun tours will be back. It won't immediately be available on every ship. They're rolling some out on March 6th and then others out at the beginning of April. But by like, you know, the beginning, maybe the second week of April, it should be available across the entire ship. One of the really cool things about this tour, if you've never done it, is that you actually get to see the crew areas. Like I've been on tours where you go through the galley before a chef's table, that kind of thing. But I have never actually been in the crew gym or the crew galley, stuff like that, the crew lounge. I really would like to see that. And that's something that these tours offer. I mean, you also get some cool swag like a baseball cap and a commemorative photo how much the tour costs depends on what ship it is and how long the sailing is and that kind of stuff. But it runs usually between $55 and $95 and takes about three hours. So that's the first bit of exciting stuff that's returning. But the one I'm really stoked about is the return of the fun times. So for those who've never sailed Carnival, you've probably seen this on other ships just called something else. It's that newsletter that you get in your room every night. You know, um, it's got the daily list of all the things that are going on the next day. Yes, in this day and age, you can get that exact same information on the on the Hub app. And it's actually in some ways probably better to get it on the Hub app because they can update that. Whereas once the newsletter is printed, it's pretty much, you know, that's what you're going to get. Um, but I love nothing more than at the end of the day, like sitting on the balcony or laying on the bed and breaking out the fun times and getting my highlighter and going through and marking all the things that I want to do the next day, most of which I will not get around to actually doing because I'll get sidetracked by sitting in a bar somewhere. But these, you know, they haven't been printing these for quite a while and people kept complaining about it and complaining about it. And finally, um, according to John Heald, the brand ambassador, the Beards listened and said, OK, we're going to bring this back. So yay for the fun times. And if you're thinking about retiring on a cruise ship, this could be a good way to try it out. Yeah, so Marae Cruises, and I don't even know if I'm saying that right. It's M-I-R-A-Y. They have announced bookings for a three-year world cruise. The bookings just opened this week, and it's going to sail on the 1992-built Gemini, and it'll hit 135 countries, seven continents, Um it will – one of the cool things is that in the various ports that it visits, it will often stay multiple days. So you really get to sort of explore it. Um, if you're wondering how much something like this costs, it's a three-year sailing and it costs about $29,000 a year, which when you figure that this is all-inclusive, meaning like your meals and stuff, I'm not sure about drinks. I, I don't know that it includes that and certainly $29,000 would make it a lot more attractive if it does. But it's not really that expensive. $29,000 to live on – to have a place to live and all your food taken care of for a year, that's pretty cheap. It's also kind of a cool way to see – if you really want to live on a ship, you know, a lot of people, whenever we do one of those stories about, you know, you can live on this ship for the rest of your life, they send it to their friends and they tag each other and they're like, oh my God, this is so cool. Let's go live on a ship. But do you really want to live on a ship for the rest of your life? Well, 
why not try three years and at the end of that say, okay, this is this is what I want. I want to do this as opposed to starting right out by going whole hog with one of those like, you know, million dollar, you have a place to live for eternity contracts. This is a little easier. You can ease your way into it. Yeah, I don't know about you. Three years, you can sign me up, man, definitely. You know, I always say I don't really want to live on a ship because then it no longer becomes my special escape. Right now, I get to go a couple times a year and it's, you know, just this majorly relaxing, wonderful thing. Now, the cool thing about this is one of the things they're aiming at is to make it attractive to people who want to live and work on the ship, you know, um, who, who can work remotely. The big question, of course, there would be how good is the internet? Because most people, if they are going to live on a ship and work there, would have to have really top-notch internet. Absolutely. Well, Richard, this was a blast. I want to thank you for letting me come on and hang with you guys this week, man. Oh, th- thank you for coming in. I mean, I can't believe that Doug actually handed his show over to us. Uh, what, what was he thinking? Right, exactly. Hopefully he's having a good time. Just a reminder, don't forget to check out Cruise Radio Extra on Patreon, where you can get raw interviews with Cruise Line executives, behind-the-scenes photos, and on-location postcards. Head over to patreon.com slash cruise radio. Yeah, one of the fun things about that, um, Doug, I think just last week sent out the first batch of postcards to Patreon subscribers. So um, I'm sure somewhere he was he was probably sitting on a beach somewhere scrolling out postcards, which is totally the way to go. And uh, I, yeah, I hope I get one. Me too. I'm checking my mail. <laughs> Again, this is Tommy Casabona. I had a great time filling in for Doug this week and hanging with Richard. Thanks for listening to Cruise Radio. Do you have a story or a tip to report? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. The voice of the cruise industry since 2009. This is Cruise Radio. Maria was on a four-night cruise on Carnival Magic out of Norfolk, Virginia earlier this year. It went over to Bermuda, and she's on the show to talk all about it. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Doug. Glad to connect with you and, and be back on the show. Excited to talk about one of the things I love. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, the last time we spoke, I remember it distinctly. It was in 2019, and you sailed out of Norfolk as well, but on Carnival Sunrise, as it was a new ship yeah. in the port at the time. So curious to get your thoughts of Carnival Magic, kind of a, a little bigger ship and a little newer ship as well. So uh, as, before we get to the ship itself, we'll take a step back. Let's get some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this four-nighter out of Norfolk over to Bermuda? Well, kind of similar to 2019. I live in the Northern Virginia area outside of DC. So getting down to Norfolk is just a, like a three hour car drive. So when I saw this sailing come up, I was like, oh yeah, I have to 
one, book it because it was close to home, and two, to Bermuda. I'd never been to Bermuda before. I actually kind of wanted to do an overnight, but, you know, long weekend, still trying to get my sea legs back. This is my uh, third cruise for since the, you know, kind of shut down, so I was just glad to be able to, one, drive to the port and then also um, see Bermuda for the first time. Very good. Well, let's jump right to it then. You get to the Half Moon Cruise Terminal in Norfolk. How was embarkation? Embarkation was very interesting. <laughs> so there were some issues um, before we had embarked on that Thursday. You know, they had the check-in time. So I arrived. I was um, on time. But when I got there, it was definitely a long line. If you recall, like the cruise terminal, you kind of get dropped off at the curb there. Now, the one thing that we had to do was um, with Bermuda, you had to have a travel visa authorization. So before you can even go into the terminal to check in, you had to show the Bermuda travel authorization. And at the time, um, with the COVID protocols, your, you know, testing, so forth. So if you didn't have those two things, they wouldn't even let you go up um, into the embarkation area to do your check-in process. So once you showed those, go right up. And so again, like I said, it was a long line. So I probably waited a good 30 minutes or so before actually the line started to move to go through security, do the few checks and to get onto the ship. From curb to ship, how long did it take? It was over an hour. I I tried to time it, but it definitely was probably at least an hour (laughs) of time. (laughs) Well, that works. So you make your way on board Carnival Magic. What were your first impressions once on board? She's in good condition. Like you said, it's a little bit bigger ship than the last one I was on in 2019. Um, But I was on the the Mardi Gras in February, so definitely smaller than than that, but well-maintained. The decor um, is pretty, you know, well, uh, nice, and I was just excited to be on the ship. Very good. Let's talk about the stateroom accommodations. What kind of stateroom did you book for this four-night cruise, and what did you think of it throughout the four nights? I booked a spa balcony, and I've become like a spa balcony snob, I guess you want to call <laughs> it, because I love the thermal suite on any carnival ship. If you haven't, you know, I would say that's a tip. If you are into, you know, thermal suites with, you know, sauna and spa and all that, you know, book a spa balcony or even have a spa inside. But I booked a spa balcony on deck 12 and I was right by the spa and the elevator. So I really enjoyed it. And with that spa balcony comes, you know, amenities with the, again, thermal suite. So you have access to it through the whole cruise and you also have discounts um, at the spa you know, for services, if you want to book any of that, it also included, um, two exercise classes. So I did yoga on the ship, Doug, and the the yoga instructor was like, so if you could do yoga on the ship, like you have really good balance and I do yoga at home. So I I did pretty well. And so that was pretty cool, but a lot of room and it was just me cruising. Um, uh, at least for my room, I was cruising with some other people, but for my room was just me. So definitely enough room for, all my stuff, stores. The room was, again, well-maintained, nice and clean, um, no issues there. And the balcony was superb and enjoyed all of all of that as well. And in case anyone who's listening may not know, if you book a Carnival Spa balcony stateroom, a Cloud 9 Spa stateroom, you actually get access to the thermal suite. And I, I believe that, I think the, at least in my opinion, the thermal suites on these Dream class ships, so Dream, mm-hmm. Magic, and Breeze are the best, in my opinion, uh, maybe Mardi Gras has a nice one too. I did that one, but it felt a little crowded to me. These are the per- that that thermal. What is it? The um, I can't say the the therolosal therapy pool or the mineral oh, pool. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's nice yes, on that ship. Pool. Yeah, yes, yes, I agree. I've been on the breeze too. That was the first time I experienced that the lasso pool. And you're right. I think 
that that dream class of ship, they definitely have the best thermal suites because at the Lasso pool is definitely like a escape from the main pool deck if you know that's your mm-hmm. job, your your jam when going to the pool. But it actually was very crowded because you know, we'll talk about shoot it was a couple of sea days and so there were a lot of people in at the Lasso pool and you know, going to that and then the various, you know, rooms. I know for one thing though with the the um sauna and things, I know it took them a while to heat them up. So they didn't start them crank them up early enough. So sometimes we'll go in there and be a little cold and then you'll go in there later in the day and it's like super, super oh, hot. Um, but definitely um, an enjoyable, enjoyable time. But I love the thermal suite. Like, and like you said, Mardi Gras is a little bit crowded, but yeah, I love the ones on the dream class as well. Absolutely. How about dining on this uh, four night cruise? We'll start at the top at the Lido deck marketplace and work our way out from there. So on that Lido deck, you have like the guys burgers, the blue iguana cantina, and then the buffet. How was that? So I, um, over the pandemic time, stopped eating red meat and pork. So I had to really work to (laughs) not have any guys' burgers because I really enjoyed them a a time ago. So I didn't do the guys' burgers. I did the buffet only on embarkation day just to get, you know, some salad and some other kind of protein kind of things. But I enjoy Blue Iguana Cantina, you know, for uh, the burritos and the uh, tacos that they have as well. So I also had one of those on um, embarkation day. But the one thing with Blue Iguana Cantina, like if you don't want to have breakfast, you know, in the main dining room um, on the sea days or in the little buffet, they always have those um, huevos rancheros that I love. And you can tell them how you want your eggs cooked because normally they do like a sunny side up, but I like to get it cooked all the way through. So I really um, enjoy those um, from that standpoint from breakfast if you don't want to go to the the Lido deck um, for breakfast from that stand. Yeah, good tip there. And how about any like pizza, mm-hmm. seafood, or pasta for lunch at Cucina? I did the seafood shack, had my normal um, lobster roll, which I, I enjoy, <laughs> love that. And then I also had the seafood platter, which was a lot of food. Like it was a lot for one person. So it took my time trying to eat through it from the shrimp and the clams and the scallops and so forth. So that was really good. And then, yeah, I did have a couple late night pizzas, not as often as I, I normally would, but I did eat there at least, um, you know, one time. And then Cucina, I believe was not open on my sailing, um, due to like the shortage of staff. So I didn't uh, go there, but I do believe it was closed, um, during my sailing. Interesting. Yeah. I guess they did close it like in May through, they just opened it this past week. Well, the first week of August. So it was shut down for, right, uh, right. for a hot minute there. How about the main dining room? What time dining did you have, and how was your experience in there? Yeah, main dining room um, was very good. We had uh, your time dining. So I was cruising with a, a group of friends that are avid cruisers as well. So having the your time dining made it easy for all of, all of us to just meet up. And every night was pretty good. There was a little bit of mix-up with where we were sitting because, again, you don't sit the same time everywhere, but we do try to ask for the same kind of wait staff so it can just kind of be consistent but the food was it was decent you know no complaints there I know Carnival has their menu kind of goes up and down I know when I traveled um, in February on the Mardi Gras I didn't like the dining room or main dining room food but definitely um, on Magic it was pretty good well let's talk about the entertainment on board this four-night cruise how was it and it came, it was good. I didn't make it to any shows this time, surprisingly. <laughs> um, so didn't see that. Um, but definitely the live music was on point. There was like a 
duo band, and I don't know their name, but the lady who sang, her voice was just phenomenal. And we kind of followed her around. Like um, one night she was singing in the atrium area. And then one night she was over um, by uh, the Alchemy Bar. And, you know, she just turned it out. She was singing like covers of different songs and her voice was just, just great. So I really enjoyed that live music. We did go to Piano Bar. Actually, that was my first time going to Piano Bar. I've never nice. done it before. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting time. And so I enjoyed that. Um, we did a comedy show a couple times. The comedians were okay. I think one of them, you know, he was he was definitely a little off color, but you know, you just laugh it and keep moving. <laughs> so we did the comedy shows, and then of course, you know, uh, on sea days they have the what is it called the entertainment with the the staff, the entertainment staff, and so um, having like a big ship karaoke on the pool deck, and then um, the little dance parties and things. So that was the main entertainment that we did so didn't really uh, miss the show so much but enjoyed everything else that um, we were able to do very cool let's talk about the sea days as far as crowds and congestion did you find out um, the occupancy on this sailing while you were on board I did not but I feel like it was close to capacity to me because on sea days it was very crowded what it seemed like so definitely on the pool deck there were not many empty seats or chairs um whether you were on the main pool deck or you go up a level or two now if you went to the serenity area you could find a seat but it seemed crowded from that area when you walked around the ship during the sea day time um most people were outside you know it's may and it's starting to get warm um so it was you know people want to be out from that standpoint but definitely on the outside it seemed more crowded but inside on the sea day it didn't seem very congested and having that thermal suite again that plus allows you to kind of get away from the crowd so like I said on the sea days that the lobster pool was pretty crowded from the standpoint of people you know taking advantage of that and then also you know utilizing that on the sea day just to have you know possible break from being outside with the you know other passengers that we were traveling with. I saw where Carnival has is it called a casino annex maybe on Magic where they built out a second one? On deck four in the meeting honest, room? To be honest, I don't know. And I, I don't recall anybody saying, I know I was in the casino, um, like the main casino, you know, because they have a bar there. Um, but I don't remember like a second one from an annex standpoint. You know, is it supposed to be a smaller section? It's a non-smoking um, like, one. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I didn't see any of that. I know I was in the main casino, but I didn't like a small one, um, a non-smoking section. Yeah, so what they did is uh, where those meeting rooms are, uh, one deck below the promenade, they actually took out all the chairs and everything and made it a, a non-smoking casino on Carnival Breeze, Dream, and Magic. So all the ships in that Dream class have that spot there where it's pretty big. And so that's non-smoking, a non-smoking casino down there for people. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I definitely missed that then for sure. So gotcha. I don't smoke, but I definitely didn't... Uh, I definitely didn't see that, but that's good to know. Did you notice uh, the cigarette smoke as far as in and around the main casino when you were walking through? Yeah, I did notice it. It definitely wasn't um, prominent, but there were definitely people who were smoking, you know, in the casino. Um, But, you know, again, you walk through from kind of the atrium through the casino and then going back, you know, towards the back of the ship. So it wasn't very prominent, but you definitely could you know, smell it there. And then there's also a bar that sits really kind of close to a couple, the one entrance on the back. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if you were sitting there and people were smoking, you can definitely smell it when you kind of walked in. Gotcha. 
How was it as mm-hmm. far as sea days with, uh, we'll call them the chair hogs and all of that out by the pool? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely the first sea day because this cruise had a sea day on the front end and sea day on the back end. So our first day out, you know, after we um, left port was a sea day. So that was definitely a crowded day. And the chair hogs were definitely out. Like I had to kind of watch <laughs> to get a chair for me and a friend that was with me and then finally snag one. But definitely they were out early putting their towels down. And I, again, I don't know if that rule is in place or if they keep track of that anymore, you know, now that with COVID and everything or, you know, just touching people's things. Um, but definitely hard to get a chair, but you can eventually get one. Hell, they probably don't have the staff for it at this point, it seems like. Oh, yeah, that's, you know? that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> how was that? Did you notice anything a little slower than normal because of the staffing issues? Probably kind of in the main dining room a little bit. That was probably where I noticed like a slowdown. But, you know, all the bars. Well, let me let me take that back. I know like the Alchemy Bar, I visit there a lot. And it was probably only maybe two bartenders. And that bar got really crowded. And so like you had to kind of wait for a drink and then you know they don't have venues anymore at a lot of the venues they want you to scan and use your phone Mm -hmm. so you know people trying to do that and then you know try to get what you may um, desire at the time but um, not too much slowdown I know like I said if you were going to the bar you might have to wait a little bit for a drink Um, and then the main dining room again depending on we normally try to go to eat around 7 30 8 o'clock so you know closer to the end so it wasn't too bad but definitely a slowdown from that point. And then my room steward, you know, he was on point and on time all the time. And I don't think, um, at least from where I were, I don't remember seeing a lot of people walking on my deck. So I think that was good too, from that piece. So this was a Bermuda cruise. You roll into Bermuda. How was your day there? Well, it started off a little bumpy because Carnival had made an announcement that we would be arriving early and that it would be a time change. So I haven't been on the cruise in a while um, where the time would change on the uh, ship um, to accommodate, you know, the port that we were going to. But then when we got eventually to Bermuda, we got there earlier than expected. And so, like, we had planned to do, like I said, the group I was traveling with um, to do something and we kind of fell by the wayside. So we eventually got off the ship and we could not go to uh, where we want to go. So we ended up doing a island tour. And we got off at the Royal Dockyard area, if that's, if I recall, that's what it's called. And I had someone who traveling with me remembering that they would go into the downtown area, which is where I thought we were going to be going, where we can possibly like catch a bus and, and kind of go around and do that way. But we were on that Royal Dockyard side, so we had to um, get a taxi and that taxi driver ended up being very, very nice. And so he gave us an island tour. So that was our uh, highlights for that. And it was actually really nice. He took us some very scenic areas up to some nice hidden hotels and spots. We even saw a very small church that had been there for a very long time. I don't remember all of the details, um, but it was small. You kind of had to duck through to kind of get from one side to the other. And then we also went over to Horseshoe Bay. That was where he finally dropped us off at. And I was so happy because my main thing for going to Bermuda was to see those pink sands. I had heard about it, and I was so excited to to see that pink sand and to really see if it was pink. And Doug, it was pink. <laughs> you didn't take any home with you, did you? No, no, okay. no, no. I did not. I did not. And we also went to um, the lighthouse there. Um, mm-hmm. They do have a lighthouse. And so being able to see that was also nice and kind of see how from the distance. I think it's still a working lighthouse, actually, too. Um, from that standpoint, but Horseshoe Bay was definitely 
um, the icing on the cake to see the pink sand. So our time was, like I said, limited, but that was definitely um, the bucket list to get there and, and see that pink sand. So I was very excited. Is Bermuda one of those ports where you could just roll off the ship and figure out something to do? Like there's plenty of things at the pier there uh, and opportunities, or is it something that you should maybe pre-plan your day before getting there? It depends on where the ship docks. So like I had mentioned, we thought that we were going to be getting off at a different area, more of like the downtown. So this Royal Dockyard area um, there are some things to do at the port, but not very many things, mm-hmm. but you can get off and say, Hey, I want to go do A, B, C, D, and E, you know, if you want to take an Island tour or go to the beach. So there were taxis basically waiting to take us to various places. But my suggestion as a tip would probably try to pre-plan something so you can get the most bang for your buck, especially if you're just going for the day. Because I know some cruises, you know, go to Bermuda over several days, like have overnight, um, which is hopefully something I can do in the future. So definitely pre-plan because the area where we docked at, there had some restaurants and some shops and there was like a small beach right there. But nothing like you had to go out of that area to be able to go see more out of the town because I feel like it was probably 30 minutes just from there to get to Horseshoe Bay, like if you were just going straight there. Oh, wow. So there's no, like, tram mm-hmm. system set up or anything, like, at the other dock? Right. Not at that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, which is what, like, I, I was hoping for, like, with mm-hmm. the bus, because I was, like, doing my research, and I was like, oh, we can catch the bus, or we can do this, or take the ferry, but, yeah, not at that particular port. You definitely have to catch a, a yeah. cab to go somewhere, or a shared ride. Yeah, I just wanted to get some clarification on that, because people really, sometimes they don't realize that there are two different docks there, and it basically puts you two different sections of the island, as we were just talking about, so it's good to know where the ship is actually going to dock when uh, when you roll into town there. So you make your way back to Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, everyone always says I pronounce that wrong. Norfolk. Did I say it right? Or <laughs> how do you say it? It's Norfolk. Norfolk. Almost yes. like you're saying the bad word. Norfolk. Yes, almost. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's so funny. Yes. You, ro- you, roll, you roll back into town there then. And uh, how was debark on Magic? Better than embarkation? Yes, debark was pretty easy. I did self-assist, so we just rolled off our our bags. Um, I got up early, didn't do breakfast that day, um, and I, uh, like I said, did self-assist. So I didn't get off super early because, again, I was driving, so I didn't necessarily have to get off right away to catch a flight or anything. So um, I probably got off about between 7.30 and 8, and it was very quick, so we did end up um, you had to get the tags the night before if you were going to check your bags, but I didn't need that. So basically, they would call you by um, those tags, or if you did a self-assist, they had a number for that too. But they wouldn't let you stay in your stateroom. I know like when I started cruising back during the pandemic, they would have you wait in your stateroom. So they tell you to get you know out of your stateroom by a certain time and then go wait up in the Lido deck. And so with that in mind, I went up there and waited until I was you know able to, to walk off and then just rode myself off the ship at that point. Very good. Any first-time tips to offer someone either going to Bermuda or sailing aboard Carnival Magic? Yeah, definitely. Um, as we discussed, first-time tip for Bermuda, I would say plan your excursions or something that you, you may want to do if you're only going for the day. If you have you know more time where you're you know traveling for overnight or two or more days, you definitely can see more of the island. But if you only have a limited time, try to plan something so... Um, you can get the like the most for your time there. And I will also say 
like a tip for, you know, embarkation, at least for uh, Carnival Magic. Again, have all of your documents ready. So if you're going to Bermuda and that visa authorization is still in play, like if you don't have that, then you're not getting mm-hmm. getting on the ship. So make sure you do everything you need to do so you're not turned away, you know, when you get to the um, the cruise terminal from that standpoint. And I would say, you know, if you can, if you can do it, get the a spa balcony or even a spa inside room, or they also have it where if you just book a regular stateroom, meaning just like an inside balcony or ocean view or some that sort, you can go to the spa and get a thermal suite pass for a day or for the length of your cruise. Like if you just want to try it out or if you, you know, didn't get that type of room. So they do have that as an option if you still want to possibly do the thermal suite and you didn't get that ahead of time and Doug if you didn't know too um, if you have onboard credit now with Carnival they let you use that ahead of time to pre-purchase you know things on the site like the drink package and things so I did utilize that ahead of time Mm -hmm. to get the drink package so you don't have to wait you know to use it um, once you board so that was a good um, advantage and a tip so if you do have onboard credit they are allowing you now to utilize that to pre-purchase things you know on the site ahead of time. That's actually good to know. I didn't realize that because like I have all this onboard credit from this um, 14 night cruise that canceled on me during the pandemic. Uh-huh. I was going to Iceland and Greenland, I think on Carnival Pride. And I guess the drink package is more if you get it on board. So I can get my drink package now ahead of time and pay like five or what, eight bucks less a day, I guess. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. They did increase the price. I feel, I think yeah. I, I remember them saying, but yes, you can go ahead and and pre-book it if you got that onboard credit. Um, that way you don't have to wait. And like you said, pay a little bit more. So you do save a little bit of money um, with that in mind too. So, yep. Very good. And same thing like internet, all of that. You can get all that ahead of time with the onboard credit. How did the internet work for y'all? Not very good. Yeah. <laughs> not very good. Yeah, the chat plan been. worked, but not the internet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. Um, yeah, it's, it's always a, a crapshoot trying to do my show on board ships these days. It seems like either they are paying for less bandwidth or maybe more people are mm-hmm. buying the pack. I don't know what it is, but they're, uh, yeah, it's been hell lately. Um, looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for y'all? Biggest highlight for me was definitely being able to go to Horseshoe Bay and seeing the pink sand. And then I had traveled, like I said, with some friends and actually it was I met these friends on the Carnival Mardi Gras in February. And when I booked this cruise, they said, we're going. So I have some some cruise friends, you know, kind of like, you know, for life now. So I really enjoy spending time with them. Um, But definitely going to Bermuda. I can't wait to go back. Isn't it amazing how the relationships and the friendships and bonds you make at sea last a lifetime? I have so many of those in my life right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm an outgoing person and I definitely, you know, talk to people and they're actually from Nashville and I had never been to Nashville. Um, The one friend, she calls it Nash Vegas. So uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, so they were very nice. I met their whole family. They were actually traveling with their mother for the, her birthday on the Mardi Gras. And so when I booked this one, they was like, yeah, we're going. So they booked their flight, came to uh, from Nashville to Norfolk and they had never been there. So, but they're cruisers. And they love it. And so it was just great just to connect with them and just spend time and enjoy. And, you know, we've already got our next cruise book for next year. So I'm excited. I worked at a country radio station in Nashville for a year in my mid-20s. And if that city could talk, I'd have to burn it down. 
<laughs> that's what I hear. It was uh, <laughs> got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, it's probably one of the best years of my life, though. It's, it's just uh, anything happens. Like any, like you walk into a bar and randomly Keith Urban or Blake Shelton or someone's in there just doing karaoke, just having fun on an on an off night. It's just really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's those are the moments that you don't forget. So yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, definitely. Well, in closing, here your final thoughts of Carnival Magic. Definitely Carnival Magic is, you know, part of that dream class, which I like. Definitely loved it, enjoyed it. She's definitely in good shape. And, you know, hopefully one more time I can get on it again. Been talking with Maria about her four-night cruise over to Bermuda on Carnival Magic out of Virginia. Thank you so much for the review and great hearing from you after three years. Don't wait so long next time. (laughs) I know, Doug. Thank you. I'm excited to be back cruising and good to connect with you again. Talk to you soon. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.